Hello, everyone here on our UGA Sports YouTube channel. This is UGA Sports Live with Rodney Navolsi. I'm Dane Young, but you're here to listen to Jim Donnan, the former UGA head coach and college football Hall of Famer. He's the one that keeps this uh, train going and uh, yes. making sure that we have all the information and analysis that we need for UGA. I'll let Roddy talk about our sponsors in a second, but frankly, based on what we've seen over at the dog vent, I, I want to talk about what happened at practice yesterday. Roddy, we had four UGA sports team members at practice watching UGA get ready for Vanderbilt. I'm going to toss it to you and just what did we learn from that? Well, we, we learned that things are kind of getting back to normal. We asked Kirby Smart in the press conference, you know, hey, how does how do things look? Because he mentioned that he had a spike in that week one, you know, they had a few guys out due to COVID. And he said, you know, and he immediately said he knocked on wood. He said, look, right now we're good, but this is a continuum thing. He said, I can say we're good. And then 15 minutes from now, you get a call about somebody who's not feeling well. So he didn't want to read, you know, he didn't want to say that they're back. But I thought it was a huge deal that for the first time since 2019, the Georgia beat media got to go in and watch part of practice. Now we didn't get to watch a whole lot. We only got to watch like six minutes. And the part that I was watching was the uh, ball security drills, which I know a lot of people kind of roll their eyes. Like, Oh, you only got to see ball security. Well, Georgia's even on the year for turnovers. So they're not, you know, ahead three or five like that through three games, they're even. So that means they're for all the turnovers they've had, they haven't created more than they, more than they've got. So that's something you were and coach, coach will tell you, you work on it every day, but we got to see the guys doing ball control stuff. We got to see the offensive line line up a little bit. We got to see some passes from JT Daniels. And I think everyone's freaking out over the fact that uh, George Pickens was out there and he was running routes. And we've been telling folks that George Pickens has been running and George Pickens has been at practice. And we mentioned that in one of the scrimmages, he's down on the sideline just running like a maniac. He, this is not brand new news, but it's the first time reporters saw it. So when, when they put it out there, it almost – and again, I'm not banging on Kirby Smart, but when he says, hey, we, we like where uh, these guys are back, we like where these guys are in their recovery, it's almost as if we were verified or validated or confirmed by the beat media reporting, hey, George Pickens is running around. So, uh, yeah, I don't expect him to come back anytime soon, but just the fact that he's on the mend, Kyrus Jackson, we got to see him in the game this past Saturday, he's on the mend. Don Blaylock was close until he had that hamstring issue, but he could come back. Uh, he's Kirby Smart told us that Darnell Washington, Tyke Smith are, you know, putting uh, weights on their, their running. They're doing weight bearing exercises. This team that put up 40 points last week, coach, could be getting back some prime players to, to really get this thing going. Although I don't know that you, I don't say you don't need those guys, but they've been doing pretty well without them. So well, we didn't get to see a ton of practice, but we, we got to see practice again and it was very exciting just to be able to put our eyes on these players and kind of uh see what they go through and look at some of the guys that could be joining them you know see see Tyke smith out there doing some stuff see darnell washington out there doing some stuff i just think that's a as good as george has been so far i think you've got to be even more excited about what they could be going down the stretch yeah i mean i know that the media has their own little deals but they've played three seen those kids in three games out there doing the same thing. They got practice uniforms instead of the uh, games. But, uh, but you mentioned Pickens. I mean, re realistically, uh, you know, he's had an ACL injury and uh, we want him to come back, but uh, I don't know that we can project that any more than we can project when uh, these other guys, and I'm not talking about what uh, 
anybody's thinking there. It's usually a six month deal, but uh, the big thing for him was he didn't have anything else happen to his knee. So maybe that clean ACL will help him a little bit. And I know he's motivated. You see him on the side, definitely engaged with the players. He's not, uh, you know, over there sulking because he's not playing. So it would be a big boost to us. I know people have said, hey, it really helped stock. Look, this guy's a number one draft choice if he clears the medical medical deal. When he goes to the combine and he clears that, I mean, he's just got too many skills and there's so much need for receivers. So you can talk about that all you want. People say, well, if he doesn't play, it'll be a third or fourth round draft choice. That's bullshit. This guy's a first round draft choice uh, if his injury cleared. So, uh, from a standpoint of the game, you know, I was really uh, pleased with the fact that we were playing against a team we grossly outmanned, that we had kicked their butt really badly last year at the end of the year. But we went out and took care of business for the most part, except for that easy throw that they got when we weren't lined up right, which, you know, that worries you a little bit. Uh, it always worries me about us trying to sub, uh, and we sub so quickly that most of the time but you know if it doesn't work then they catch you with a guy uncovered and by the time speed caught up with him he was behind him so uh, we got to work on that but uh you know our uh, ability to run the ball efficiently against a good line this is good they got some good players up front and we were able to clear the line a couple times and uh, you know hit the right holes very patient passing game was really sharp uh, you know, particularly uh, from the standpoint of uh, going in there and and the ball back and forth on third down. Uh, you know, this team was first in the nation in third down defense. They'd only had three first downs out of 27 going into this game, and then we go in there and um, you know just function tremendously hitting those first downs against them. So uh, JT was really sharp. And uh, I hate it for Stetson, but I also feel like that uh, Kirby Smart's a very good guy. And, uh, you know, this guy's put up a lot of good stuff for Georgia, and uh, he deserved to go in the game. And uh, we would have been playing a different opponent. I don't know if that would have been the situation, but uh, I, I really don't question that. Anybody that questions that, that's their opinion. But uh, let me just say this. We play four tailbacks. We play four. We play – 15 defense and we play uh, about eight or nine receivers. We play four tight ends. So it's nothing wrong with putting a team quarterback in. That's one as many games as he has. Uh, and it just ended up being a fluke play. It didn't work out good. So uh, I, I don't really worry about that part. Our kicking game completely destroys people. I mean, when you look at everything we're doing in the kicking game, particularly the return game, Set up that last touch of the field goal at the end of the half was huge. And uh, we continue to kick off good, cover punts good. Uh, it was just an amazing end of the first half where they called timeout and we got, you know, the, the, the field goal after the safety. It was just very good. I do question what we were doing there with two minutes and 45 seconds to go. People say I don't question enough. I do question the fact that. Two minutes and 45 seconds to go. We got two timeouts, and we run four straight plays and don't make a first down after the first one. We were throwing it, but maybe Kirby was thinking, hey, we don't want to give the ball back. So that's the way 
it worked, but we gave it back to them because we had a lost yardage play. So uh, when you're throwing a ball as good as we can, uh, you know, at the end of the first half, I would like to see us open it up a little more, but that's that's just me. Uh, Coach, I know a lot of people were kind of freaking out about that, but to me it's, it's very simple. When you have a guy that's uh, uh, who's given you what Stetson has, and last – I mean, he was the SEC reigning offensive player of the week. He torched the, the defense, the UAB defense. You think that he could come in and – I don't know, had he scored, I don't think people would have freaked out as much, but he came in and the – Cognitive bias, you know, the self-fulfilling prophecy. If he's not a good quarterback, hot seat, he threw an interception. I know he's talking about uh, JT's uh, interception later on in the game. I don't – it's just a double standard. To yeah, me. I don't I'm, like it. We're just wasting our breath here. <laughs> that's true, true. And that's, just, uh, that's okay. They're, they're entitled to it. But uh, I, I really do feel like that the guy deserves the opportunity to play in that game early, and it uh, didn't work out as good. But we're going to need him. You never know with JT's uh, situation. You know, who knows? He might get hit again in the ribs. He might hurt his knee. I mean, I, I'm glad we got Stetson. So, but, uh, you know, as far as our team, I look across the country and watch these games uh, very, very closely. And, uh, you know, I like where we are, hell-wise, coaching-wise, philosophy-wise. Uh, I like where we stand right now watching these other teams. We don't miss tackles like Alabama does. We don't miss assignments like some of these teams do. We uh, we did miss a situation where a guy got, didn't get lined up quick enough, but that that can be rectified. But um, I was really dismayed the way the inability for uh, Alabama to tackle in the open field and their ability to adjust to, the, to what Florida was doing. But, you know, I'm not going to get on any soapbox about how Dan Mullen's such a great coach. I mean, he definitely is a coach, and they basically did a tremendous job in that game. But he's also two and twenty-nine against top twenty, top twenty teams, and uh, you know, he's whatever he is against Nick and one and three against Kirby or something like that. So uh, Dan was coaching that first quarter too when they got their ass behind twenty-one to three. So. Uh, <laughs> We'll see what happens there. I do think around the country you're seeing offenses really struggle to start this season. And some of it, I think, is youth at quarterback. There were so many experienced quarterbacks that move on from the top teams, you know, at the end of last year. So we're seeing Ohio State struggle on offense at times. We're seeing Alabama not be able to push the ball down the field. Florida really can't pass at all unless it's right around the line of scrimmage uh, even Oklahoma coach is struggling with a guy like Spencer Adler and they've been Clemson kind of struggling to win and every yeah I mean it's Georgia's ahead of the game on offense but I don't know it's if it's necessarily because of Georgia because this, everyone else kind of came back so what I'll be curious to see you know outside of what Ole Miss is doing with Matt Corral how do the offenses develop here over the next month two months because I think the the road only gets tougher for Georgia um, not this week because it's Vanderbilt and that's as easy a, of a road as you have in the conference and Georgia will populate the stadium and the game will be over by 12, 15. Uh, but still it's an SEC team. And so you have to go execute and do what you have to do. Uh, and Georgia's offense has done that better than I think most teams in the country are. Yeah. Here's the point that I would make along those lines. And you're, you're right about quarterbacks, but there's such a, an influx of seven on seven talent that these kids do really well on seven-on-seven. Seven. I mean, they, they get all these stats and all. But once they get in a game and you have to do 
do all the things you have to do and you get to rush. I mean, Spencer Rattler to me is an example of a seven on seven quarterback that is really good without the rush. But when he gets the rush, I mean, he has a hard time. I mean, this is the first time that Oklahoma has scored under 25 points uh, since I think Riley's been there. And, uh, you know, Nebraska is a decent team, but, you know, Oklahoma to me uh, got to make a move and at least give Williams a chance because what he does is he can move around in the pocket and he can run a lot like the previous two quarterbacks that did so well and won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, you know, Murphy, uh, I mean, uh, excuse me, the, uh, Rattler just can't move around in the pocket and they got no running game with them. I mean, they, they're running game. People are just challenging them uh, to run the ball and they can't do it. So you need the quarterback runs. Same thing with Clemson, uh, the passing game, just not there. And we're not here to, to organize what's wrong with these other teams. But I, I know this, that uh, I'm really glad. And I told you the first week on this show that I wouldn't trade our team for anybody in America. I said that completely yeah. and some people laughed at me. But I wouldn't do it today for sure uh, because we got – uh, we, you know, like Kirby said, hey, we're just going to keep improving. But Roddy did a good job of going over the guys we haven't had. But to withstand an injury like we had in the offensive line, a really good player, Rattledge was coming along uh, and put our line back together. I still feel like we're probably going to put a bigger guy in there at right guard down the road. Uh, trust, uh, you know, uh, uh, somebody there that can – be a little more mass, a lot like Ben Cleveland, although I think Erickson's playing good. But uh, let me just tell you this. Uh, part of life is the glass is half empty. That's for everybody. I think people talk, they drive themselves nuts with it. But uh, I'm going to tell you right now, Georgia's glass is more than half full, and it's rising to being overflowing. It's going to be overflowing, and the people are going to love that. Because uh, I think I think our running game's coming. You get Washington back out there along with Bowers, and ooh, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be real ugly. I'm talking about just like Black Saturday for a lot of teams when those guys get out there together. Yeah, especially when you look at how well the defense is playing. Uh, lights out. Uh, I love the clips that uh, Dane and uh, Brent had on film. Don't lie. You're watching this poor South Carolina running back trying to make the corner, and here comes Trayvon Walker's waiting on him. Here comes Devontae Wyatt and uh, Jordan Davis and uh, the Kobe Dean. Uh, actually, it was like five players all hit at once. In this and, and, and the view was from field level. And I think sometimes when we watch on TV, we don't understand how big these people are. So yeah. Jordan Davis, I mean, Shane Beamer was right. Jordan Davis runs faster than the average person at yeah. that size. That's crazy. They clock him at 20 miles an hour in that UAB game. So, I mean, this yeah. is that, that's not fair for somebody that's six foot six, 340 pounds to move like that to cover. You know, you're on the far hash and you make a, a tackle on the opposing sideline. That's just insane. And what, you got, what you see there, too, is uh, opposing teams. You know, you're coming in trying to win the game and find a way to win. But when you're setting up your offense and realize it's going to be really for you to score more than twice maybe more than once. So you got to get something with turnovers, which that's what really saves South Carolina from getting annihilated. I mean, the, the yeah. fact with the three turnovers, but realistically you're, you're making that plan to say, look, uh, and you're talking to your defensive coordinator and you're saying, look, I don't know if we're going to be able to score more than twice and you better hold them to two. And he said, look, 
you come over here and watch the tape and you tell me how we're going to stop all these guys. So it, it's a very difficult situation to plan for Georgia as a team right now, yeah. because you gotta, you gotta, you gotta win the special teams. Nobody's going to win the special teams against us unless our guys don't show up. I'm telling you, uh, I'm talking about coverage. I'm talking about kicking. I'm talking about return. It's just elite special team. It's the best part of our team right now. Even though our defense is good, we still got issues defending the pass, which we said that when the season started and everybody said, well, hey, you're wrong, you're wrong. But uh, I'm right. Uh, you know, Speed's had four passes thrown on him, three of them over his head, and the other one he had a pass interference. So, hey, he's got to – they're going to target this guy. Ringo's coming on. Uh, uh, you know, DK does a good job, but he, he gets beat too. So – but what you got is that line that, uh, you know, opposing quarterbacks know they're going to get the dog beat out of them. I mean, it's bad. I mean, it's ugly the way they hit it. Not just the sacks, it's the hurries and the uh, balls batted down. And uh, the thing I would say about this show is we got to answer the questions and we got to do all this stuff. But, hey, we need to enjoy this team. Yes. Let's don't worry so much about what we don't have, but let's revel in what we got. Let's enjoy it and don't be so uh, worried about all these things. You got no control. The unknown, you got no control. We don't play Florida for three, four more weeks. Uh, Arkansas, sure, they're good, but uh, hey, I like a shot. I like a shot against Arkansas. Kentucky, Chattanooga had them in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's not that, that's not that doesn't bode real well right there. So I'm sure Kentucky's better than that, but uh, I just don't see, uh, you know, Florida's certainly got some good players, but we'll see how I'm that works. I'm with you 100%, Coach. That's all, I've been one of my pet peeves for years is that Georgia fans can't enjoy stuff. We tell them, hey, these guys are doing the – there's a damn good dog fund where you got these five guys who are using their NIL uh, abilities to raise money for charities. And I get, well, is that going to help us win a title? I'm like – and say, so, hey, Georgia's assigned the number one uh, recruiting class for the third time in a row. Is that gonna, does that get us a first down? I'm like, God bless. Can you folks just enjoy the fact that you're in Athens on a beautiful Saturday? You know, the weather's nice. It could have rained Saturday. It didn't. You blow out uh, uh, a South Carolina team by 27 points, and you're mad that you didn't cover the 34-point spread. I mean, yeah, that does. that's not good, though. That part makes a lot of people mad, and I can understand that. <laughs> so that was uh, – there was a lot of people, and we yeah, were talking it, about it on our show, that, that that fumble was not one of the best things right there. So uh, You're right. You know, we, 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 we do pick at the stabs. you got to cover, Kirby. you got to cover. He does. But it's, the, it's that, uh, you know, it, it's just that Georgia fans have been burned so many times. They're looking for what's going to let them down next. And my point when I predicted that Clemson was going to beat Georgia that first week, I'm like, oh, I was trying to set people up for the fall, if you will. I'm like, look, or not the fall, but the uh, I'm trying to mitigate the fall. Like, look, even if you lose to this Clemson team, you're doing it so shorthanded. And that's before we even knew Tate Ratliff was going to go out the first series. We're like, you are going to get some of these players back, and these guys are going to get better and better. And, yes, there are concerns in the secondary. We have a question from UGA Alum 95, and I'll jump on that real quick, but – like enjoy the taste. Enjoy the, uh, you know, the Swedish fish eating Jordan Davis. Enjoy, uh, you know, 
uh, Nicobe Dean doing his best Roquan Smith. Nicobe Dean's on his blitzes is insane. That's fun to watch. Uh, JT Daniels yeah. lighting it up. Stop worrying about Stetson Bennett. Jesus, enjoy the fact that you got him out there. He won a game for you, was a player of the week. And then JT Daniels comes back, and he wasn't stressed. JT Daniels was able to take a week off, and you beat a good UAB team without him. And I'm going to go back to what Dane was talking about. The These other teams that are struggling offensively. We were told that you got to have a spread offense and – Great quarterback who who pulls a um, a Mac Jones or Burroughs type year, and the game has evolved. And right now, a lot of these teams would be happy to have a great kicking uh, situation like Georgia has, a ridiculous defense like Georgia has, and three or four you know, four tailbacks out there who can run the damn ball like Georgia's doing. And Georgia's only going to get better in that run game. Football hasn't completely changed. Running game. Passing attack, good defense, kicking. Right now, Georgia and Alabama look like the two best teams in the country by a mile. I'm not saying it's going to be that way. I mean, it could, it could, it can go sideways fast. We know that, and I guess that's what Georgia fans are worried about. It's like, what's going to happen next? Why, why don't we have this guy? Why don't we have that guy? Don't worry about it. Just enjoy this team that you got yeah. because this is fun football. I'm sorry, it's. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's hard to project. You know. The games and who's going to play and all that. I mean, certainly that's part of the show. We'll answer the questions, but uh, oh, yeah. Speaking of questions, let me hit UGA alum ninety five coach. Uh, he asked uh, South Carolina was able to hit some deep passes on Georgia. Is that a con- still a concern, or can that something that can be coached up and fixed? Oh, sure, it's a concern. I mean, uh, it, it's been one of mine ever since we started talking about this team all year. Is because our own team does that to us. Uh, uh, so A.D. Mitchell or whoever it might be, uh, uh, we haven't been as uh, good at that. But at the same time, uh, you know, we can change the coverage some and do, do some different things to help the guys out. But we just got to do, as Kirby was talking at his press conference yesterday, we got to do a better job on technique at the line of scrimmage. And and playing the ball in the air uh, is, is certainly something that you got to work on. And I think even you and your astute analysis, and I don't know that you must have copied somebody, but you said one week that, hey, we got to do a better job of playing the ball in the air, and you must have listened to me or something about that. I, I, I completely stole that, absolutely. <laughs> we don't play the ball in the air and that great. Uh, we, we'll get better at it. But there's no uh, – Kirby brought it up. There's no uh, – we don't have much depth at receiver or, or cornerback. and It hurts us in the scout teams. That's why we go against each other so much. You know, we lost seven guys last year that could have been here. So, in the DBs, and then we had some receivers transfer, although none of them were that great, but they did give you depth. So, uh, but I'm encouraged by seeing a guy like A.D. Mitchell. I see the way he's been coached up by uh, – our staff, you know, we brought him in in the in last year in the in the spring, and he's really gotten better. And he can separate, and he can catch the ball out. And uh, you know, I eighty one the Rosemary Saint, he's going to get better too. But uh, hopefully, Kiaris and uh, Arian Smith. We played without Arian Smith last weekend, so exactly. I mean, Arian Smith can go deep and Blaylock and. I tell you what, when we go into a game and they got a scouting report and the defensive coordinator. He's either in the press box or on the sideline. And then he said, who's this number eight? Uh, who's number 11? Uh, who, who's uh, number 10? We haven't seen him. Uh, but these guys are starting over these other guys. So uh, you're going to see uh, – and I, I give – I applaud too. Uh, McConkey's done a good job of step, stepping in there and blocking and 
catching the ball when he needs to. Uh, he's really a good team guy. And Johnson, those guys are coming in. They're doing some good things. But realistically, against the better teams, we're going to need these receivers that we, we've been missing. And like I said, if we can go to 12 personnel or actually three tight ends with Fitzpatrick, Bowers and uh, Darnell Washington, if these wide receivers aren't up to snuff, it'll be kind of like our stuff where we're playing two running backs in there at the same time instead of three receivers. We can go three tight ends and just mash their ass. I mean, it'll be a mash mouth there. Roddy, I know you're going to mention Athens Ford in a second, but I want to seize on a point that Coach Donnan made earlier, and it kind of relates to the skill guys here. What Jake Camarda is doing for Georgia he is one of the team's most valuable players. And typically when you say that, that is not a good sign for a team that your right, punter is right. one of your best players. <laughs> for George's case, though, he is is playing at such a high level. And I'm, he'll have a shank every now and again. All punters do. But you think about the two punts that were down with what, within the seven-yard line against Clemson. Arian Smith shot down there, downed them both. And then now Amir Speed did the same thing at the what, one yard line against South Carolina. I mean, he is a weapon and he does a ton for this football team. So I hope that fans, it, there's always the tendency to, all right, they're about to punt. I'm going to use the restroom, right? And get a snack from the kitchen. Watch the craft that Jake Camarda has at punter. And I say that like, that sounds so silly for me to say, notice the craft he has. He's doing this at a professional level. He's so damn good. Yeah, here's the other point, too. I'm going to give some love to our defense here. Usually speaking, during the course of a game, you know, the team, other team will punt five or six times. First two games, the other team had punted 18 times. I'm not sure how many times South Carolina punted, but at least seven or eight. So we're averaging the other team punting the ball eight to nine times a game because of the fact they're not scoring. So – when they're punting, you've, you're changing field position night and day where our team's starting. Very seldom we start outside of our uh, – inside of our 20. I mean, we got short fields a lot of the times, and that all points out to running more plays and, and scoring more points. So, uh, you know, I, I applaud our defense for making the other team punt. I used to tell our team, if we can make that other team punt, very demoralizing to them because – they start thinking, how are we going to get a first down? How are we going to get field position? Where are we going to get the ball next? You know, it gets in their head, but not to mention looking over and seeing 99 and 44. I remember when I used to play against some good teams, quarterback. One of the things that used to worry me a lot walking to the line of scrimmage was looking over at that other team and not so much that they were big and physical, but when I looked in their face masks and they didn't have any teeth, that really worried me. <laughs> and I'm sure that most of our guys have got teeth, but they got a lot of power behind that. And you look at – it's demoralizing to look at those guys and think about what you're going to try to do. Uh, and I, I might be going overboard and, you know, we can lose a game. I don't know. We're, we're going to have to lose it, though. We're going to have to give it to somebody because it's going to be uh, – uh, the kicking game is huge for us. And I, I can't say it enough. It's just huge. Well, you talk about kicking. You're going to have good kickers. You have to have good socks. And we have a new sock sponsor I want to tell everybody about. They're called Dead Soxy. D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y. Check out Dead Soxy. These are a couple old Miss grads who are uh, fantastic guys. Uh, Jason and his crew are uh, fights out. They came up with 
a fantastic design for socks. They have these ones. I love the American, uh, the red, white, and blue socks. Those are fantastic. But they had these uh, socks that are made from bamboo fibers, and the yarns that they use are amazing. They're incredibly comfortable. No seams on them. You don't. You're a uh, uh, walker or jogger, and you uh, have their athletic ones. You don't feel that seam pressing against the top of your feet as you run. Their dress socks look great, but it's the alumni collection I like so much. You know, they have these red and black socks that just look great for all the Georgia fans. They have four different styles. You can't beat them. But if you have an LSU fan in your life and you need to console them with uh, their trials and tribulations, you can get them socks in the uh, uh, purple and gold. You know, if you have a, uh, a, a very sad South Carolina fan in your life, you can take care of them as well. So point being, uh, check out Dead Soxy. Get these uh, uh, socks that have the true stay technology. They actually stay up. I can guarantee you that somebody with thighs is, I mean, uh, calves as big as mine, socks are a pain in the butt to keep up because they want to roll down or they want to cut off circulation. These do not, they stay up, they stay comfortable the whole time. They're, they're just, they're a pleasure to wear. Uh, I find myself in the no-shows just walking around the house and, and it's summer and I haven't taken the no-shows off because they're just comfortable. So if you get a chance, check out Dead Soxy. Use uh, promo code UGA Sports for 25% off. You can't beat that. So if you get a chance to try those out, do so. Also, I want to mention our friends over at Athens Ford. They sponsor our watch-along show. And, uh, I'll be on the watch-along show this weekend uh, to basically drink a lot of Bud Light, but that's that's all I contribute to the show. But uh, our watch-along show was called out by ESPN, and I'll let uh, Dane talk about that in a second. But uh, we wouldn't have this watch-along show if we're not for our friends at Athens Ford. They are huge in the Georgia community. They're huge in Athens. They are the uh, number one Ford-certified free-owned uh, dealership in Athens, or it's going to be in the state of Georgia. All their vehicles come with a lifetime powertrain warranty, you know, the, any of their new vehicles and uh, pre-owned vehicles up 80,000 miles on them. They have discounts for students. They have discounts for uh, military, uh, former you know, vets and current active duty, uh, recent graduates and students. They all get discounts on their cars. And uh, Brian Clover and the folks over at Athens Ford are huge Georgia fans. The reason they sponsor our show is because they're giant fans here in Athens you know they they're glued to the tv come Saturday now if you want to go in and uh, take a test drive over there on Saturday don't come on Sunday <laughs> come on uh, or come before the game but uh, I'm sure they, they'd be will they'd be willing to leave the game or you know watch stop watching to help you buy a car but don't do that to anybody that's cool just don't, don't plan a wedding on a Saturday so just go see those guys during the week or go see them before the game or see them after the game the game's at noon this Saturday after the game, swing by Athens Ford and pick them up. Uh, check out the Ford Bronco over there. Check out the Ford F-150s. Those are – the 2021s are amazing. So check those out when you get a chance. Uh, Dana, I know we had some questions there, but I want to uh, touch on the, the shout-out we got on ESPN. Well, I mean, some of that came from uh, Coach Donnan and his professional, uh, I guess, relationship, and then also just personal friendship with Sean McDonough. I, I know that uh, Coach, you and Sean spoke some late last week, but uh, third quarter, we didn't hear it in real time because we're doing our own show, but we were told, hey, you guys just got a shout out on ESPN. And sure enough, we go back and find it, and uh, Sean McDonough says uh, – Jim Donnan is, is active in this community. He, he loves the people of Athens and he does a watch along show that is on YouTube. And then all of a sudden here comes people finding us on YouTube. It was really cool. I love it. I love it. Yeah. You know, I appreciate Sean. Uh, we've known each other a long time, uh, you know, back to when he was doing the CBS game uh, when I was uh, the first time I met the Auburn game where we won in the overtime and, but I've always had a good relationship with him, and we were supposed to eat the 
lunch on uh, Friday, but he got this thing from ESPN that they didn't want the, the, the guys leaving the, the hotel and all because of COVID and all. So we just kind of talked on the you know, talked about what I thought about some of Georgia players and stuff like that. And then he asked me if I was coming to the game, and I told him no, and I did this watch along thing. And so I had no idea he was going to give us a shout out, but that was good. Uh, you know, Peyton Manning and uh, Eli are copying us. They're trying to. Yeah, I want a copyright infringement lawsuit. Yeah, they they're doing a good job with it. But I hope the fans that uh, do watch it, or if they watch it after game's over it's all a support pattern from us at rivals to try to support the team but give a pretty good idea about what's going on and have a good time uh, at the same at the same time watching them uh, you know we tell a few stories and things like that and give a couple little elvis stuff and <laughs> you know whatever it takes uh, elvis is always in my building i got that pillow down there that i keep because i'm a big elvis fan we do have a lot of Elvis chatter on the show. That watch along show will be at noon this weekend. That'll start then. I'll have the stream up about 1145 uh, a.m. Eastern time. It's going to be the same for next week. And that leads into this question, which if you have a question for us uh, for the remainder of the show, leave it in the YouTube chat. Usually we uh, take questions from the event at UGASports.com. We want to give love to our friends over on YouTube as well. So we're only taking YouTube questions today. And this one is from Brian Wilkerson. It says, if Arkansas beats Texas, is A&M with a game time change for a top, possible top 10 matchup between Georgia and Arkansas. I can answer that one as a media guy. No, once that gets locked in, that is the game time. Georgia will play Arkansas at noon, regardless of what happens this weekend. The only exceptions in those case, um, sometimes TV outlets will uh, have like an extra window that they can use. I think it, you get like two of them a year, but they just delay in making the decision. So like in the case, I think Florida and Kentucky – uh, for next weekend, that could either be at six or seven. ESPN's got to decide where they want to put that game. Um, but that's not the case for this one. This is going to be a noon kickoff, Arkansas at Georgia. Yeah, I think in looking at it, uh, their CBS is thinking, hey, Ole Miss got an open date. Alabama's playing Southern Miss. It's just going to be a big deal, you know, for Lane Kiffin to come into Alabama and uh, have his team there. And, uh, you know, they're going to be undefeated in Alabama is. And uh, it's just more of a matchup as far as they've shot compared to Arkansas, although Arkansas has done a good job. There's no question about it. And they're really a good team. But uh, Arkansas has got a chance this week, too. I mean, they haven't beaten A&M in a long time. So, uh, that's the way they look at it. I mean, we look at it, hey, we should be playing. I'm talking about us here. We should be playing at 3.30 or playing at night. So, uh, realistically, I can see where CBS is coming from, and I, uh, I don't blame them as far as what, what the game's projected. I mean, uh, you know, you just got that that psyche about Lane Kiffin and all going against the dictator. And uh, here's what's unbelievable to me, all these people – keep talking about, hey, Lane Kiffin calling the plays. No, he doesn't even call the plays anymore. Uh, you know, he just uh, – he's certainly the head coach and runs the show and all that, but the, their uh, offensive coordinators upstairs, he's calling the play. So, uh, it's not Lane Kiffin against Nick Saban. You know, I mean, neither one of them called the plays, but they're edges. So, we'll see how it all work, works out. Yeah, but that's what we always think, though, coaches – 
you think that Kirby Smart's calling all the defensive plays. You think that, uh, you know, your offensive coach, like Lane Kevin's calling all the offensive ones. You know, they like you're calling all the offensive plays when you're the head coach because you were such a good offensive coordinator. It's just that the coordinator underneath the head coach oftentimes just like, well, Kirby, people say Kirby Smart didn't call the defense at Alabama. You know, and they don't they, they don't give Dan the landing credit now where he's at. It's just uh, it's 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 lazy, but it's true. Yeah, I mean, hey, that's what it is. But uh, certainly Kirby has a big input into it. And I'm sure uh, Coach Kiffin does and Coach Saban does. Uh, but it's just uh, players win games, man, and players lose games. I tell you, Coach, get way too much credit and way too much blame. But uh I think uh, certainly some things that concern me about Alabama, we'll get into it, their lack of tackling in space, their inability to have a plan against the quarterback runs and on offense, just the way they always take the clock down to the last second, like pro teams, they had no advantage in running quick against Florida. I mean, you know, Florida could substitute, get their sets and everything, and they really got a beat on them. They went three times in a row out. Uh, how many times have you ever seen an Alabama team have less than 100 yards rushing? I can't remember that happening in a long time. So uh, there's some concerns there with their own line had trouble movement. That Carter kid got after him and they moved. You know, Grantham's going to move his defense and they they worked on him with that and got a lot of lost yardage plays. So uh, hopefully some of these things will persist when we get if they get to the championship game, we do. But there's some tough road to hope for that Bama team. They got to go to A and M. They got to play Ole Miss. They got to play Arkansas. I mean, that Western Division's loaded. It is, and you know when the Iron Bowl comes around, that's never a given, regardless of who the players are. That's just one of those games. The talent usually prevails, but in the Iron Bowl, it doesn't always. It's just that so, yeah, happens you heard in rivalry weeks. It happens, that's for sure. But based on what I saw Saturday night, Auburn will have to trade for some players if they're going to play with Bama. I mean, they get, they, they just don't have enough guys right now. But, you know, and I, th- I saw where uh, the uh, Greg McElroy, the fine bomb, asked him, I saw on Twitter, where would Penn State fit in the West? He said they'd be fourth or be- at best in the West, which I agree, and uh, third at best in the East, which I agree. So, uh you know, that, that puts them seventh in the uh, SEC, and they're ranked in the top ten in the country. That just shows you where the Big Ten is. It does. Here's the comment from uh, Stacy Goble. just says that Kirby Smart has Georgia's program in a position to be on top for a very long time. I think we all agree with that. The most definitely. I mean, you got to figure uh, this is his sixth year here, right? Uh, and he, he's really – uh, t- sometimes it takes coaches a long time to get to that point where they're playing for everything. I mean, we're right up there, you know, already got three championships in, in the Eastern division. Uh, I, I can see, uh, you know, I can see a lot of things ahead of us this year. And uh, we do lose some pretty good players on defense this year. There's no question about that. We're going to lose some guys to the draft and graduation, but uh, we got, we got them stockpile coming up to, uh, I think some of these younger kids are going to be good. You know, they're just got to get their feet wet and everything. But I'm fired up about Ringo. I really do think he's going to be a special corner for us. He's uh, fun to watch. And, you know, as Coach says, Alabama's going to lose four games this year. So, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say that. 
<laughs> somebody just cut, somebody would have cut on and heard you say that and thought that I said it, but that's what uh, that's what you need to bring me. Whatever it is, what is it? Pork that pork is the that is the smoked pork plate here at uh, Classic City Eats. Yeah. Uh, I was their, looking forward to one of those uh, Philly steak sandwiches, but I, I I'll take either one. Well, then I got you. I got you the sliders over here. So we got the uh, chicken sliders and the. Uh, yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's yeah. that's yeah, what chicken tender sliders. Those are phenomenal. So. Way to rock! That's way to rock. Yeah. Well, you know somebody's got to do the hard. Somebody's got to do the hard work over here. You know, yeah. you guys are talking about Alabama losing seven games, and I, I mean, I gotta, I gotta you keep, I gotta keep us on track. What's impressive about the Classic City Eats out there is just all the things that you can do with your family besides eat a good meal. You can go out there and. Your kids can play the video games. You can go up back there and work on your golf game, and you can see you got all the TVs. I mean, it's just video a really, really good setting for a family atmosphere and takeout, man. You got to go down to the lake, stop and pick up something. Uh, I'm sold on Classic City Eats. I'm telling you that right now. Same here. Uh, I, 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 but are you sold on this Florida team, Coach? I want to ask you about that because we, you talked about, you know, Alabama had some issues tackling and with Grant's did with his defense. But the if you hear the Florida fans, and again, it's fans, but the, the media too, yeah, you're not – nobody wants to celebrate a moral victory, but they're damn sure claiming this as a moral victory. They feel well, they, they Florida should, is back. They so should. How, I mean, how much of this is valid? When you look at the Florida against uh, this uh, Alabama team, they've gotten over 800 yards and uh, uh, 47 points last year and 29, uh, 27 this year. I mean, that's a lot of points against the Alabama defense. So uh, encouraging there. But at the same time, I think playing without that other quarterback hurt them too because you saw how, how uh, Emory Jones was able to run. I think this other kid, Richardson, you know, even more – a threat, particularly with his – it'll be uh, – they've got to develop a passing game to go with the running game, no question. But uh, they didn't need to throw it against uh, Alabama after the first quarter, but they just got behind. But uh, certainly they're a challenging team. Uh, their defense uh, really improved as the game went But uh, early on, they just stopped Alabama. So – but I was impressed whether they could stop the run, and you know it'll be a it'll be a competitive game against them, no question about it. But you know I think I I mean I know right defense is better than Alabama is based on what I've seen to this point, particularly in the tackling department. You know uh, I guarantee you they line up against us and take go down to the last second on their calls. Kirby and Lanning will change the defense four times before they snap it. I mean, they'll you talk about shifting and everything. They'll look like we're doing the some kind of conga dance way we're <laughs> moving around. If they do all that, I mean, and you know, there was another example last week. We shifted the first time against South Carolina and they jumped. I mean, it's just. I mean, do you watch the tape? Just I, gonna... I agree. When you watch them do that, though, they do it so well. I mean, it looks like the Rockets, the Corey. It looks choreographed because they all move at once. And as a former, you know, way back in the day, offensive lineman, when the whole defense moves like that, it, it, in your little turtle brain in the back of your head, it makes you jump because you, it feels like the snap. It feels like the snaps come off, you know, and you're like, oh, shit, did I miss it? And whereas with one guy's moving, another guy's moving, you're used to all that. But when they all move at once, you're like, 
you, it's an instinctive reaction because you've been trained since you were four or five years old back in Decatur, Glenwood Hills football, shout out, uh, four years old, move on the ball, move on, move, jump, you know, speed fast, go quickly. Yeah, that's and, true, but- and so they all move at once. You're like, oh. Did I miss something? <laughs> it's it's effective. I love. They it. should all scream in unison at the same like to, to scare well, them. They got, us, they got us one time. Hey, you get a penalty for that. Though. They got us one time for Nakobe uh, saying jump or something like that. It, it can't be anything that's similar to what their snap count is, but you know, or clapping. If you clap over there, then it simulates. Quarterback does. You can't do that. But I, I think uh, the thing that's really symbolic of our team right now is a spirit that our fans are showing that they're just glad to be back in the state. Particularly, this, I heard Kirby mention the student section. I mean, that's overwhelming. Uh, uh, when you look at recruits coming in here, and they're, you know, I, I don't know who got the most time TV the other day, Arch or his dad, but they those guys were covered. And, that, and you know, when uh, that's impressive. I mean, see that kind of uh, – support and also got to be impressive to see our receivers that, that are looking good out there young for uh, when when uh, arch ask uh, ask his uh, dad what what, what year is that number 19 he's a freshman oh he is what, what year is that number five he's a freshman oh he is what in their ears that uh, uh, Burton he, well he's a sophomore I mean you know over and over I mean, he's got. You got to look at who, uh, who's who you go. Putting cast, and then he looked. He, he got in the offensive line. That number fifty nine. What year is he? And sure, I'm about sixty five. He's a true freshman. Ooh, I think he's probably protect me. You know uh, what? What about that kid on the sideline with with his foot uh, limping there? Number zero looks like an NBA basketball player. Number zero. Oh, he's a he's a red shirt. Uh, he's got he's a sophomore, you know. So I mean, over and over, the talent that you can have. So, and the other thing that people say, it just really, wasting your breath and you're wasting your time on the, any kind of statement. Well, he's going to be worried about Gunner Stockton, and he's going to be worried about uh, these guys. Hey, you, you know, a really good quarterback is feels like he can play, and he's. Looking system and everything else he doesn't worry about there's nothing you can do about it hey you're going to have competition wherever you go everybody says everybody says texas uh is one of the places they signed they got the best quarterback and the uh, dual threat quarterback in the country committed to him coming in there as a true freshman next year you think that's gonna bother arts no i mean he's he's not gonna be worried about that and uh well, I, I just think that's from a coaching perspective, from a recruiting perspective, from a guy that's been around the block, hey, take that off event, man. Those kids don't worry about the other players. I agree, Coach. I mean, I, I use the example, like I said, when we had you on the first time, we asked you, give me your top three recruits you'd like to see Georgia sign. He said, Justin Fields, Justin Fields, Justin Fields. And we're like, well, they already have Jacob Eason and Jake Fromm, two five-star guys in back-to-back classes. They still signed Justin Fields. He still can you know, so uh, Gunnar Stock is not worried about Brock Vandegrift. 
Right. And he's like, I can do it. Brock Vandegrift wasn't worried about J.D. Daniels or anybody else. Brock wants – he's like, hey, I know you got Carson Beck, but I think I can do it. And it's, it's again, and you want that cockiness. You want that uh, chip on the shoulder. You want that guy to come in here. And Arch Manning ain't worried about a damn person over there because he's like, look, you know. Right. And he, it's not it's not going to change if he goes – whatever school you go to, it's the same with these running backs. I, I go back to uh, Alvin Camarda. He was the fourth running back George – I mean, Alabama took in that class. And everyone thought that he's – fourth on the depth chart because he was the fourth one to commit. And I'm like, Alvin, uh, what's up? He goes, I'm, I'm better than Alty Tidenpenny. You know, I'm better than these other guys. You know, he he right. didn't – in his mind, he wasn't the fourth guy. Yeah, he's, he's just the fourth guy to commit. He's the number one. You just chat the kid and say, look, somebody's going to be the quarterback here. Somebody's yeah. going – and why worry about – you got no idea what this guy can do. I mean, there's a reason you're the number one quarterback in the country. There's a reason why all these people are coming down here beating your door down. I mean, so – and the other thing is it's two years from now. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, he, he's got another year after this one. So, unless yeah. he can – unless he can pull that thing like that kid did up in uh, – Ours, yeah. Yeah. So I did it. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to give a shout out to the Georgia paint line. That was that went viral. That, that you know, the guys that paint themselves with messages, you know, they've done they, they're always they always have a good message. There's always something interesting, something uh yeah, that was to great. pray for Wendy. But when they went down there and said, We want Arch, you know, painted it on their backs so that every time there's a TV timeout, they turned around. And Arch Manning, you know, the number one player for 2023 is sitting over there with his dad, Cooper, and some other, you know, Eni White out of Philadelphia is over there, uh, Ernest Green out of California, the big offensive guard, he's over there. They're watching the, – they watch the Georgia student section fill up first, absolutely filled up. You know, there's a great picture of the students were out long before anybody else. That <clears throat> student section was full. And then the, you have the spike squad and you have the paint line down there with a giant – we want Arch painted on their bodies – even if you weren't Arch, if you're Eni White, who we put a prediction for Georgia into recently, and Ernest Green, who we have a very good uh, update on him, uh, you know, top offensive guard, uh, go to the vault at UGSports.com. We have these updates. They saw how much the Georgia fan base is into recruits. And then they saw, you know, like you said, you watch Brock Bowers go out there. He's up to 203 yards now. That's the most for a tight end since Isaac Nott in 2018. Thank you, uh, Trent. And uh, Dave's looking up. Georgia's not had a uh, tight end go over 500 yards in forever. This guy is leading the, the team three three games in. And you see A.D. Mitchell getting fresh SEC freshman of the week. And you're like, I, if I'm young, it doesn't matter. I can go. Didn't, I just, say, didn't I just say this for five minutes ago? And you just. No, no, I'm, just I'm, 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 I'm confirming your point. But the thing is, they, they see it and they're like, wow. Uh, in other words, when you get the student body, out there putting out a recruiting message for guys like that. I don't, you can go with these kids with, uh, yeah, we think you're going to make it to the NFL. They all hear that. We think you're going to, we can, you're going to have playing time. They all hear that. But how many schools have done something like that? Nobody. So good job, UJ Paint Line. The recruits saw it. They appreciate it. And then, of course, that night game with the lights going off, that was fantastic. And I, and I can tell you right now, Kirby Smart is mad as hell in his heart of hearts that George is playing back-to-back noon games, not because of the time. I'm sure he'd like to have his afternoon free, but it, it really damages recruiting because you can't get those guys in there early enough. That, that's that's the pain of the ass when it comes to 12 o'clock games. It's Man, tough. it won't matter, but for home, that's that, uh, it's tough they'd love to, to have a 7th or Arkansas. Okay, go ahead. It's tough to get a kid in here that early, you know. I mean, because by 11 o'clock, you got to start warming up and doing all that. Yeah. You just hope that the 
if they get in late, you'll bring them in there, talk to them on the field or something or after the game. But it's it's the it's definitely a negative on there. Unless the guy's making an official visit, which you're going to yeah. keep over. And that's the thing about coaching. I just uh, – amazing. We had like three kids on official visit, and you finish the game, you win. It's – 7.30 night game, you finish at 11, you got to take this kid and the parents out, and then next morning meeting them for breakfast, then you got to grade the film, and then you got to go over and meet them for lunch, and then you got to take uh, – meet with, uh, you know, whatever it might be. Some of these people are on an unofficial visit, and then then you got to start looking at Vanderbilt, and then you got to meet them for dinner. And, I mean, it's tough on – I mean, these guys get paid a lot, though, but I'm going to tell you. Yeah, takes, I'm like, not crying for them. <laughs> it takes a lot out of you, though, on an official visit during a game, when you have a game. That's because uh, you just – you got to have you got to have your game face on, and then you got to have your recruiting face on. And uh, I'm sure we did a good job with it. Speak, speaking of the games, let me uh, mention this real quick. If you were watching this game on at noon the next two weekends uh, – which I'm sure you will be, and you're in the Athens area, let's say, of course, you're not going to go up to Nashville or uh, you don't have tickets for the Arkansas game, swing by our friends at Academia Brewing Company. Uh, they have giant TVs set up. They have the lounge where you can sit on those great couches. They have all those fantastic beers to choose from. The beer list is usually like two pages long. It's the ones that they make. It's ones they do in conjunction with other people. They do these uh, collaborative uh, beers that are fantastic. Uh, this week, they, of course, they have trivia on Tuesday. Then they have live music on Thursday. Then they have the uh, beer and biscuit brunch on Saturday and Sunday. They do that all the time. But this Saturday at noon, you're going to have the giant game. And I tell people, uh, get the triplata sandwich. It's kind of my favorite. But they also have triplata fries. And what that is is they take their uh, uh, hand-cut fries, and they cover them in um, uh, slow-roasted Caribbean pork shoulder, black forest ham, pepper pastrami, onions, and aioli cheese. And if you don't like that, then there's just there's, there's no saving you. There's, there's nothing we can do for you. But check out our friends at Academia Brewing Company. Try the great beer. Try the great food out there. You'll love it. It's a great place to watch the game. And if you're not in Athens, then uh, hit up our friends at Your Pie. They've been a sponsor of the show since its very beginning. And uh, I can tell you that Drew French and Natalie French are giant Georgia fans. Their daughters are always over there. Uh, tennis stadium watching games. They, they support Georgia in all, not just football, in all of the sports. And we'd like for you to support all their franchisees. There are 70 plus stores. So hit up any of the Europe stores, get the, uh, the Nat pizza, the lineage, the uh, Southern heat, which is my favorite. Uh, uh, great wipes. They have fantastic ones. Now they have a giant 14 inch pizza that you can order online. You can do it today and get double points. And that is a great one for a tailgate, you know, or watching the game. You can always do the personal ones, the smaller ones. Uh, and I say small, they're this big, they fill you up. But if you're having a big party, you can customize them the way you want it and get the big 14-inch pizza. So, uh, and do order on the app, get double points on Tuesday. If you wait till Saturday, still use the app because you get free breadsticks, free gelato, free salads, all sorts of stuff like that, and free pizzas by using their app. So shout out to them as well. Let's do a speed round here to end our show from the questions on our YouTube chat. Jamel Major had asked, uh, what were the high-profile recruits saying after the game? Roddy just gave you a breakdown of what that was, and you can find more at the vault at ugasports.com. So quick you answers, guys. For one of them. Al McConnell asks, should Georgia be ranked number one? Uh, I don't think so. I think uh, to be, you know, 
You're, you're right there with the number one team in the country in Alabama. I think one and two is fair, but uh, to me, you need to beat Alabama. So that's just my take. I'm with you. Um, the sports fan asks, Devin Whitlock, is he a right guard possibility? I absolutely think so. And, of course, Coach Donovan's been raving about him for months. And uh, he says, that, hey, maybe they're looking to put somebody in there, at, you know, for size. Uh, you know, if you're trying to bring in a, a size guy, that's him. And I mean, Coach knows more about Willie than anybody. But uh, I've heard nothing but great things about him. So, that would surprise me. Coach? I think Coach May just had a connection issue on here, so he may pop back in. Derek Bradshaw asks, uh, is it me or is Channing Tindall the most impressive guy flying around the field? He is. Uh, In our group chat, they're talking about the the sheer number of tackles he has. Do you have that in front of you? Because it was nuts. Um, Don't write in front. He leads the team in tackles. Uh, 17, which is pretty impressive, but he's he hasn't had as many snaps. So Quay Walker's played 97 snaps with four total tackles. Channing Tindall has 74 snaps with 17 total tackles. So maybe uh, 23 less snaps, but uh, 13 more tackles. Now, part of it is where you line up and what your responsibilities are and where the ball goes, but he's not missing tackles. That's the thing, you know, and Coach has been talking about how well the team tackles. And I know when you talk about size and speed and fundamentals, people's eyes roll into their head because we like to talk about things that are more exciting. But I have been on the sideline and just come. I go back to the the Tennessee game where Georgia's pummeling Tennessee. And then all of a sudden they forgot how to tackle. And, you know, you couldn't tackle Josh Dobbs, you know, and he's just running all over you. I'm like, Josh Dobbs is 135 pounds wet. Now, granted, I love him. He's a great kid. Uh, And always enjoy. I've covered him back when he had no offers, but this is a guy that ran all over you because you couldn't tackle. Fundamentally, you were bad. And this team, you don't see a lot of yards after contact with these guys. They, they drop people. So I thought that was very impressive. Um, Channing Tindall does look like one of the best guys out there. Keith Simmons asks, what is the deal with Julian Rochester? Julian, he's there. It's just not uh, – I mean, Julian's never been that kind of big star. It's uh, – he, he's – you notice he came in last year towards the end of games and would have a big play and stuff. But, I mean, do you put Julian in and take Devontae Wyatt out? You know, do you put Julian in and take Jordan Davis out? So, I mean, he's there. He's going to help you out. But he's just – is he better than those guys? No, don't get me wrong. Julian Rochester is a great guy. He's been at Georgia since the 1970s and uh, integral part of this team. But he's just uh, – when you try to bring in a guy, you have to take somebody out. And I don't know who you're going to do it. The guy that's really blown my mind is Tremel Walter. I thought he was way too undersized a little, you know, when he first came to Georgia. He has put on muscle mass. In the last few games, he has been in absolute terror. You know, you missed, you missed Devontae Wyatt for UAB. He made up for it in this past game. So, again, it's uh, where, where, where do you put uh, Julian Rochester? Who, who are you taking out to put him in? Exactly. Uh, Coach, a question that came from the sports event, Devin Willock at right guard. Is that a possibility? Yeah, I think for sure. We, uh, you know, I'm earlier in the show about the uh, a, a larger guy playing in there. You know, and I could see uh, trust maybe being a little bit more experienced and getting the Willock would be a guy you'd look at too. So, uh, uh, you know, you also look at at uh, Salyer with uh, Jones or Mims playing tackle, too. But uh, Erickson's playing good. But uh, you start playing against a team that, that run more of a 
four man front and play a two technique or one or three where you got to block a guy straight up. I mean, that's not his forte. Final question, and we'll get out on this one. Run Lindsay says, Coach, why are you so hard on Roddy lately? You've been jumping on his ass like our defense has been jumping on everyone George has played. I hear you, and I feel like Shane Beamer saying, damn, or does he deserve it? No, I just was just busting him because he was copying my stuff, man. <laughs> hey, I was still from the greatest, man. There's no way about it. You know, I, I was I, – I was wondering if he was listening to what I said, but uh, he obviously has his own opinion too. Hey, I don't mean to be hard on Roddy. I mean, no, I got, I live, hey, listen here, man. I live by myself. I'm, I'm over here 24 seven in this house and I'm probably a little bit too ornery. So we all forgive me for being like that because I don't have a chance to uh, meet me around a lot. Don't feel sorry for me, but Hey, if I'm, if I'm jumping on him, I I'm apologize, but I do feel like this about our team that I hope everybody enjoys that. Like maybe they'll go out there and get that uh, pull and enjoy it. Cause we got a special team here. You know, we really got some kids that play hard. They love to play with each other, you know, be on the same team with each other. There's good interaction and uh, we can find a lot of warts on anybody, but this team right here uh, is uh, one of the things that I always try to harp on say there's no greater reward than team B and I think these kids aren't worried about individual stats and all that stuff uh, you know we don't have many guys on the preseason all-american team and the all-conference and all that but we do have a team oriented group led by our coach and our coaching staff absolutely that is true when uh, we were doing our speaking tour and uh, Folks, remember, if you want us to come speak to your Bulldog Club, just hit me up and we'll, we'll make the arrangements. But it's uh, Coach and I have a fun back and forth we do at these uh, Bulldog Club meetings, and they are hilarious. And I bust on him and he busts on me. And uh, we have a lot of inside jokes that people don't catch. So if, uh, I've, if I'm ever uh, appear to be the object of derision, it's because he's busted on me because it's the same inside jokes we always have when we do these shows. So, folks, uh, again, if, and we, you know, we did the St. Mary's. That was a great club. We hit Valdosta on that same trip. We've been out to Carrollton. Uh, I just went back to Jacksonville. So, if you want us to come to your Bulldog Club meeting and talk and get some real good inside scoop, hit me up uh, on Twitter or Facebook or just uh, Roddy at UGASports.com. Send me an email and we will set it up. And um, we'll give a shout-out to Nate Long who came out to the uh, Classics of the Eats over here and it's uh, – uh, having a nice lunch. He's been a big supporter of our show, as have, uh, you know, Your Pie and uh, Dead Soxie and Athens Ford and Academic Brewing Company. They've all been uh, good to us. And we appreciate everybody tuning in and watching our show. And hopefully you will tune in next Tuesday at noon where we talk about the uh, win over Vandy and preview the game coming up with Arkansas. I think that was all the questions we had in the day. That's it. All right, good. Folks, be sure to tune in at 11.45 for the Watch Long Show this coming Saturday. And, uh, we will be ready to go and uh, break down the game in real time. Uh, nothing, there ain't nothing like it. So tune in this Saturday, 11.45.